Father, thank you today for your word. Thank you for the Spirit of God who works in us through the word. Lord, it brings life to us and even health to all our flesh. Lord, speak to our hearts, we pray. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear, hearts that are open and receptive to all that you would say, all that you would do. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. We are approaching a time of transition in our church, which many of you are full aware. And uh, we have an opportunity before us to greatly increase our influence in the Treasure Valley. It's a season and it's an opportunity that we don't want to slip by or we don't want to miss maximizing the full full potential of it okay and so we have placed a lot of focus and attention in recent days on the building on the the physical structure part of this and then of course the finances to get that thing done and get that thing built but there are other ways that we must prepare There are other things that must be done within the context of our church family um, in order to maximize the potential of this transition. Everybody with me? Okay. Uh, And so I want to share with you today about this very thing. This is kind of uh, an in-house family message this morning, and it's called Ready for Launch. All right. Is anybody ready? Second yeah, yeah, yeah. Timothy chapter 2, beginning in verse 19. It says, Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands, having this seal. The Lord knows those who are His. And let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Now listen, some for honor, some for dishonor. Now, whenever you read a verse like that, you have to make sure that you don't stop at a verse like that. Otherwise, the unrenewed mind, the flesh, sometimes insecurity or various things that may exist in your thinking are about to spring up and identify with one of these types of vessels and not the honorable one. Know what I'm talking about? In other words, many times people will read something like that and just stop and come to the conclusion that, yeah, I guess I'm just one of the dishonorable vessels. And the Lord has a special plan and a purpose for some people. And He he calls some people and He blesses some people. And then there's me. And uh, I'm just I'm just thankful to be in the house, even though my life is not really of significance and not of importance. Uh, but that's not what this is saying. You know, that's not what this is saying. He's basically painting us a picture to show us how it's completely up to us where we fall. Uh, he goes on to say in verse 20 or, or verse 21, therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor. If who does this? If 
anyone does this, they will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. So it's possible for anyone to be useful to the master and prepared for every good work, which, of course, gives us the the reality that it's possible to be unuseful to the master and unprepared for every good work, which, of course, we want to avoid. This word here, translated prepared, uh, it, it really means, the Greek word means to make ready. It means to uh, prepare, to make the necessary preparations. If we want to be used of God to the full extent possible, it would be necessary to make ready for that use. It would be important that we make the necessary preparations to a desired end and not just kind of float into something and think it's all just going to work out without anything on our part to do. Preparations are essential and necessary. You know, in the Word of God, uh, throughout Scripture, we see many examples of this principle. Uh, remember, remember, Jesus taught a parable about the ten virgins. Remember that? Five of them were ready and five of them were not ready. When the bridegroom came, some of them freaked, right? And they were panicking because they didn't have oil in their lamp because they were unprepared for that time while the others, hey, let's do this. Let's go. We're out of here because they were ready to go. How many know there's a lesson to be learned there in how we uh, conduct our lives? Are we always late? Are we always behind? Are we always unprepared? Are we always caught off guard? Or can we live in a state of preparedness where we're always ready and getting ready for the next thing so that when opportunities arise, when God moves, when things happen, we're good to go? Has anybody ever been unprepared for a test? (laughs) <laughs> how many know how many know that's no fun <laughs> but the person who is ready and they're prepared it's like bring it on i know this this is a this is a piece of cake here all right that person's ready and uh, and we must be ready as well in many areas now the scriptures tell us that jesus jesus himself told us in john 14 that he is going to prepare a place for us so when he left here I don't know how all that works, but he's getting everything ready so that when you and, you and I show up in heaven, there's not going to be a panic. Oh, junk, they're totally here already. Ah, what time is it? Man, I, no, no, God will not be caught off guard. He will be fully prepared. You know that he was completely prepared for your life. And you know the things that you're dealing with now, he is not caught off guard. What does that mean? That means there's already been preparations made for your success and victory and your ability to overcome in this life. Yes. Nothing that we face does, does, is God caught off guard and, and has not made available resources for us to overcome in. Yeah. I'm glad I serve a God like Him. Amen. But we must have this attitude 
towards everything we deal with in life that we're just not going to be behind. We're going to be out in front, ready to go. You know, in, in flying airplanes, it's very essential that a pilot be ready. That they be prepared. There's all sorts of things. You can't just like if you want to run down to the mall, jump in your car and just, you know, you hardly think about it. You just jump in and go. All right. When you jump in an airplane, you don't just jump in and go. Because <laughs> that might be the end of all things. Right? You know, you have to check weather and you have to check fuel and you have to check weight and you have to check instruments and make every, make sure everything is working exactly as it's supposed to work. Otherwise, you can't leave. You can't fly away because you just might not end up where you want to go. Right? Preparations are essential to a desired outcome. And likewise, it is true With us individually in our relationship with God, it's true for our church as a whole. Now, there was a guy in the Scripture, it's very interesting, his entire life and his call from God in ministry was all defined by this very thing. He was called, the Scripture says, to prepare the way of the Lord. Anybody know who I'm talking about? A guy named John the Baptist, right? That's a strange name. Middle name, the last name, Baptist, John the Baptist, right? And John, that's very, very interesting though. His entire life call and ministry was to prepare for someone else. Think about it. It's like, Lord, my call is just to prepare. I mean, don't I get a do? Don't I get to be involved in the end result? Don't I get to be involved in the fulfillment of what you want to accomplish? No, his call was to prepare the way for Jesus to come. And when his ministry ended, that was when Jesus' ministry started. Now, in those days, of course, they didn't have all the developed roads, especially like ours today. And sometimes when a person of importance would travel from one place to another, there would be people that would go ahead to prepare the road. And move obstacles out of the way. And they would prepare so they would be able to travel and get there with, you know, ease and and, and make sure that they arrive at their destination. And again, that was John's ministry was simply to prepare people and to prepare uh, the, you know, that time and so forth for Jesus' ministry to come to fruition and and fulfillment. Now, Now, think about it for a moment. Was John's ministry necessary? Now, a lot of times we might look at Jesus and say, well, Jesus, he's the man. I mean, he preached with power. He had authority. He ministered and delivered the sick and those who were oppressed by demons. And, 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 and he had the goods. Certainly, he didn't need anybody else. I mean, he was the all in all. I mean, he could do it all by himself. If that's true then John was unnecessary. Then those pages in our Bible should be taken out. Then God called John the Baptist for something that was unimportant and not needed. Think about this for a moment. This has to be true. Without John fulfilling his ministry, the ministry of Jesus would not have been as effective as it was. Jesus' ministry, even though it was Jesus, his ministry would have been diminished 
in power and effectiveness and reach if it had not been for John coming first and fulfilling his ministry. Oftentimes we only see the end. We see the end result of someone's life changed, of a work that God does. And we very very often misinterpret how it all came about. We think, oh, it was just because this person obeyed God and this person did the right thing. When no, in the big picture, it's because someone before them also did the right thing and obeyed God and prayed and did these various things. And that set up the next person coming in. They stepped into it and they looked like the superstar and everything just worked out great. And, and we think that's all it was. No, no. I wonder, even concerning our own church and ministry and the lives that have been changed here, I wonder what uh, what parts were there that I'm aware of, that, that I'm unaware of. What people were involved in your life being changed prior to us ever showing up? Who else prayed? Who else obeyed God? Who else did a work? And what they did cleared the road in the Spirit, removed obstacles in the Spirit. So we showed up and it just worked. And things just came together. Hmm. I wonder as well, what are we doing today in our prayer and obedience to God and service of the Lord that is getting something ready for someone after us? I know this. Others obeyed God, and I am to some degree the result of that. I know this, that my following the Lord and praying and serving Him and fulfilling the will of God is going to result in someone else as well being able to fulfill the will of God for their life. So this preparation thing, I believe, is happening a lot more than we realize just on the face of things. There's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes that happened generations before and that will happen. And, and, and this is necessary. Just like the ministry of Jesus, it, it happens in our lives as well. And when it comes to our ministry, will it reach its full potential if we are not prepared for the next phase? If these things are so important in Scripture that we can, we just looked at a few examples, that the ultimate result of something is dependent upon the preparation made up to it, then that would have to be the case for our church and where we are going and the things that God wants to do in us and through us. That if we are not prepared, we will limit what God can do and what He will do through us. But our preparation makes everything better. How many know that it, when a person is in faith concerning anything, that faith causes them to prepare for the desired outcome, for what they believe will happen? You know, if a person gets diagnosed with a bad report physically, and, the, and they're told, you know what, you're, you're going to be housebound for the rest of your life. Or you're going to be bound to the wheelchair or to a bed. Or, some, or you're not going to be able to do something. The person who believes that report 
will then make preparations for their life to live as that report suggested. But if, for example, a person believes that the Word of God is true concerning their healing and that that condition will not remain but that their body will change, they will make preparations to live life normally. They will make preparations to live as if that condition or that injury never happened. But what a person believes will determine what they're going to do. Praise God. Amen. What do you believe about your future? What are you preparing for? Well, I'm just kind of taking it one day at a time. <laughs> you mean, didn't you mean to say you're living by sight? <laughs> <laughs> didn't you mean to say that you're not walking by faith at all that might be another way of saying that huh? how many know we should all really if we know the word of God if we know the character of our God we should have in us an expectation for things to get better for things to improve for God to do more and I don't care what age someone is or what experiences they've had that you have not peaked in God's mind you know, an unbelieving mindset is this. They always talk about the good old days. They're always looking back. Oh, you remember when? Oh, wasn't that great? Now, we can be thankful for things gone past that were good. But don't live in the good old days. The good old days are not as good as they can be. Live in faith that the future is brighter. The future is better. The fu- there is more in, in, in the Lord. There's more that He has in store. Praise God. And so again, our expectation of what will happen will determine what we're going to prepare for. If I believe nothing's happening, nothing's going to happen, I'm not going to get ready for it. So you can really tell what someone believes, can't you? You can tell what someone believes by what they're preparing for. You preparing to succeed? You preparing to to win? You preparing to have victory for things to get better? Or are you just kind of cruising? Just taking it one day at a time. The secrets of the heart are revealed in what we, pre- what we prepare for. Amen. Okay, now, uh, again, John's ministry was necessary for Jesus to be successful. And uh, I-, I know this, that everything that I've done in my life, let me back up, not everything, a lot of things that I've done throughout my life have prepared me for today. Because I've wasted some time and done some things that didn't help. (laughs) Prepared me to fail. (laughs) People have asked me at different times, how long does it take you to prepare uh, for ministering and for teaching the Word and, and, and doing these services that we do regularly here at church? How long does it take to prepare? And they're thinking a matter of, you know, X number of hours probably, I would imagine. But uh, if I were to be truthful about the matter and just tell you the whole thing, uh, t- how long it took for me to prepare today? It's about 44 years. <laughs> Say why? Uh, well, because every every decision I've made to do right and obey God, every moment I've spent in prayer, every time I've spent hearing the Word and, and being equipped, all these things play into who I am and what I'm able to share with you today. And I don't minimize any of that. So it's like our lives, they're the real thing, 
I mean, it's not just practice. It's the real thing every day, but it is also at the very same time preparation for the next thing. I am, even as I'm speaking to you today, preparing for next week, next year, five years from now. Because what I'm doing in obeying God and serving Him and worshiping Him, I am developing and growing. And it's the real thing right here, right now. And it's also getting me ready for what's next. You know, the best ways to, to get ready for the next part of your life is to do what you're supposed to do today. Make sure you are occupied. That's not a good word now, but uh, <laughs> make, make, make sure your life is, is uh, <laughs> occupied with, uh, with the will of God for today. Doing what you're supposed to do right now. And, and, and you know what? You'll be ready. You're not going to be in a panic in the future. I'm not ready for this. No, but your obedience today will bring on the things that God has for you next. But let's stay in this mindset. It's necessary for us to be continually preparing for what lies before us. When it comes to our church now and our, our ministry and this opportunity before us, uh, I believe that we have a chance in this season in a matter of months, to double the amount of people that we reach on a weekly basis. And within just a very short period of time, we know from the natural side, the facilities will far more than double what we currently have to work with and be upgraded in many ways. But we have an ability to reach a lot more people even to that extent, within a matter of, uh, of months um, away from now. And the question is, are we ready for that? Are we prepared to handle it? Are we ready, not just from, do we have enough toilets? <laughs> do we have enough air conditioning? You know, Do we have enough of all these types of things? But do we have the right people in the right place? Are it is the family ready? Are the people that make up this local body of believers ready to handle increase from God? And that's what I want to make sure that we are ready to go. Okay? Let me rehearse with you a little bit what, we're, what our goal is, what our mission is. We are striving and working and believing God to see people saved. To see those who are in darkness come into the light. To see those who are separated from God uh, begin an eternal relationship with Him. That is of primary importance above anything and everything else. All right? And that can't, that hopefully is the truth really about any good local church we're all trying to win people to the lord most important and and hopefully that doesn't really set us aside from anyone else our desire though and our focus if you've been here a while you should know this but as soon as people get in here we want to get them grounded in the word of god we want to get them uh, engaged in relationships with other people, connected to the body, have godly or God-ordained relationships. We want to get people empowered by the Spirit, filled and then flowing, <laughs> empowered by the Spirit. And we want to get people 
activated in ministry, doing something for the Lord. And that's, those are our four uh, main object, objectives to accomplish in every single person who comes to the Lord and walks in our doors, whether they come to the Lord first or second in, that, in, in order there. Okay, But in our mission and what God has called us to do, there's a couple things about it that I know very, very clearly. And there are others, there's another one that has to do with people in a certain category. I don't know what to do with them. All right. What do I mean? If someone's unsaved, maybe you're here today, you don't know the Lord. If you died today, you wouldn't go to heaven. I know exactly what I want to tell you. I want you to see the love of God. I want you to know how much He loves you and see what Jesus did for you on the cross and how you can have eternal life and be saved. I want you to know that more than I want you to know anything. I don't care if you forget where you parked your car. If you know Jesus, my job's done in that regard. Now also, I know what to do with people who say, Okay, I'm saved, I'm in the kingdom of God now, and I want to be used of God, and I know what to do. I know how to help that person to get grounded, to get engaged, to get, you know, to get empowered by the Spirit. And, 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 and I can help them get into a place of service and usefulness to God. I know what to do. It's just the other kind of person. I do, in, in all my plan and, and vision, what God's called me to do, I don't know what to do with a sitter. In other words, a person that is saved. They have a relationship with God, but they don't serve the Lord actively. They don't serve other people. They don't want to be, they seem to have no compulsion to be used of God to do something in, in, in the church and in His ministry. It's like, you know, we like you and you look nice sitting there and everything, but beyond that, I don't see where you fit in God's plan. I mean, he loves you, but I, I just don't see a, I don't have a chapter on that person. But when a person says, you know, I don't know the Lord, okay, I can tell you, I, you can know him. You can come into re- relationship with him. And if a person is in the, in the family, they're, they're in the kingdom of God, and they say, now I'm ready to go. I'm ready to do something. That All that stuff is real clear in Scripture. And so I want to... I encourage all of you, if you have been sitting on the sidelines, now is your opportunity to get in the game. We must begin now. We're going into high gear to help you locate your place, to help you train for effectiveness, and to serve with cheerfulness. And there is something in this that will produce something in you that you'll not get any other way. And it will cause the local body of Christ to become something that it cannot become any other way. It is an essential element to what God has planned for our lives. We are a team. We must show up ready to win. We must show up ready to do our part. Look with me at Ephesians chapter 4. If you're in the family, you're in the kingdom of God, and you're getting grounded in the Word, you're engaging others relationally, you, you've been filled with the Spirit, you, and you live filled with the Spirit, 
you're, you know, you're activated for ministry and, or you're, you're, you're desirous to, I'm ready for you to join us on the front lines of battle. And, uh, and let's get something done. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 16, talking about Jesus or Christ, as it says in the previous verse, it says, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Now just notice this, this simplicity of the scripture. He says that growth in the body comes from every part doing its share. What if every part is not doing its share? It stunts the growth. It really does. And I think we need to remember and recognize that not all spiritual development and growth is a result of hearing the Word. Not all that God wants to develop in us is simply, I need to hear the Word more. I need some more teaching. I need to meditate on the Scriptures some more. Those things are of great value. It's one, the first thing we want to do is help people get grounded in the Word. But there are some things that will only take place in our lives through us doing our share. This is a part of growth that takes place. Listen to this verse, the latter part from the Amplified Bible. It says, when each part with power adapted to its need is working properly in all its functions, grows to full maturity, building itself up in love. And so, now think about it. The individual believer and them growing to full maturity is contingent upon them doing something in the body. Fulfilling their part, doing their share, using what God has given them, doing what God has designed them to do. That is part of it. If I think, oh no, it's just about the Word. Give me the Word. I wonder if in the Spirit, you know, we've got one real strong arm and one shriveled up arm. Because we're growing. It's not that nothing good is happening. It's just it's not happening in a balanced way. We're not utilizing all the aspects of what God has designed us to do. Amen. And so we must... Not ignore scriptures like this and say, oh, that's good, that's good, praise God, and keep going. <laughs> you know, in other words, we celebrate the revelation of it. We got notes on it, man. I tell you what, we know this. Multi-translations, we got this. Praise God, I know that. Woo! No, but it's when we're acting on scriptures like this and begin to do our share that the full plan of God begins to come. And be developed in us. It really does. Look, look, listen to this. This is the NLT. New Living Translation. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow. So the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Now notice this language. As each part does what it's supposed to do. It helps the other parts grow. 
Did you know that someone else's spiritual development is contingent upon you doing your part? Sometimes we're just thinking, this is me, and I'm, you know, I'm fine, no big deal. I love God, I'm going to heaven. I know, but somebody else. Somebody else's life is tied to your life. And when you do your part, they benefit, they grow, they develop. Not only that, when you get this going on, it's like a network within a local body of believers and across the globe. Everyone's doing their part, and the whole thing takes off. The whole thing grows. The whole thing expands. But limited growth is due at least in large part to limited participation. And when every part begins to do their share, watch the blessing of God flow through all of us. Amen. Like a network system in a physical body. Life going everywhere and flowing through everyone and everything. This is what God has planned. And this is what we must do to prepare for what He's got in store. And what He wants to do in us next. It's not uncommon when talking about these types of things for people who are doing their share to really feel it inside. And they're stirred, and they're doing their stuff, and they're stirred, and they're thinking, yeah, i got to do something else. I've got to do more. Man, and the reality is they're already doing their part and four other people's part. And they're, because of their desire, their heart is so right to serve and help and contribute and be a blessing that's all they think what else can i do what else can i do and the reality is they shouldn't do something else they should stick with what they're doing or what they're supposed to do but too many times they're filling in the gap while they're thinking that another person is thinking nothing (laughs) (laughs) or they're saying yeah those people ought to do that They totally ought to do that. Man, I'd be a much healthier person if they would do their part. (laughs) And so we have a disconnect. And we've got to make sure. See, I don't want people to be in the ditch on either side. I don't want want any of us to get into the place where we feel like, man, the whole thing's riding on my shoulders and I've got to do everything. And No, that's not not long-term healthy and a good way to go. Okay, we appreciate very much those who have a willingness to be that way. That is to be applauded. Okay, but in practicality, it shouldn't continue that way. But I don't want someone to be on the ditch on the other side and they think, yeah, that was a nice message and yeah, that's good for some people, but I'm busy. (laughs) Remember sowing and reaping? Remember, you know, you can sow time and effort and, and, and things like that into other people's lives and guess what you reap? You reap time and help from other people in your life. Amen. And so, are we ready? Are we ready to take off here? Are we we ready for launch? Are we ready to go? We're getting ready. We've got a little bit of time, but not much. And over the next few weeks, I want to rally the troops. I want us to join together like never before and give everyone an opportunity to be a contributing factor to this valley being influenced in a very good way by the power of God by the word of God I know some things that more people need to know and God has called me to say it he's called me to bring it he's called me to help other people and train them up so they can bring it 
so they can deliver it like many of you are doing. we got a lot of great people in this house. I'm so thankful for man, the, the servants' hearts, the commitment, the people who would just do anything to, uh, to serve the Lord. Um, you can be a part of something great. You can be a part of us reaching that next person for Jesus. And uh, I heard something in one of the political debates recently that was actually good. <laughs> Not to minimize and say that it was the only thing good, but someone just made a statement. And I thought, ooh, that's good. And so I wrote it down in my notes on my phone. And, 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 and he, he just made this statement. This particular candidate was trying to rally support for his, his uh, presidency. And he basically said, I, he, he said, I don't need you to just be for me. He said, I need you to be with me. I thought, yeah, I like that. That's good. That, that's relatable in our situation. And again, I think we have enormous support and people are, man, I'm for you. But to a lesser degree, still present, definitely present. To a lesser degree, people are with me and with us in what we're trying to do. And that's where we want to raise that. Let's do this thing together. It's not like I'm dragging this thing along and you're going, yay, good job. Keep it going. You got it. <laughs> you know what would be better? <laughs> Come over here and grab the other side. And let's, let's lift this thing together. And when we're done, we'll go get a cheeseburger. Watch, because now we have a relationship with each other too. Hmm. You know how many of the relationships are, are developed and fostered in a church? It's through people working together. It's not all, thank God for the barbecues and the, you know, the the different parties and different things that go on and social functions, those have their place and we love that kind of stuff. But the best way is to serve with someone, is to get a part of, get, get a, part of a team where you're working together and you're working on projects together and, and, and you're ministering, you're doing stuff for the Lord. You develop relationships that way. They're important. Many of you don't even realize that a lot of the social activities that happen in our church happen within the serving teams within the groups that minister in different areas they're never announced they're not in the announcements it's because they're not for everybody they're for those within the group and so they develop relationships and someone might sit on the outside and say man i wish they'd do something social around here and have some events well we you know we have our 12 and and do various all church things but a lot of that happens within the context of particular ministries I think that's a good thing. I really think that's a good, a good way to connect and relate to people. So we're counting down to launch. Ready? Many hands make light work. Our desire is not to overburden and overload anyone. Sometimes people have this idea, man, if I get in there, if I sign up to volunteer, my life is over. <laughs> they will never let me out. <laughs> once I get in, once they have my email address and my number, I'm going to be bugged and, uh, you know, contacted for everything. That's not my heart at all, and that's not the way we, we, we do things around here, okay? If someone's in the wrong place, you can quit. 
Really, and get into something else. Our desire is for every person to be in the right place, connected in accordance with their gifts and passions, and where, you know where you thrive and you're fulfilled. The most fulfilled and satisfied people in any given church are those who are in their place and doing their part. They really are not just those who who worship God and hear the word. That's necessary, but other things are necessary as well. Amen. And so we want to help people get in the right place. Get ready to go. Get ready for the next step of what God has for us. Amen? Father, today we're so thankful for your word, thankful for your spirit working in our church. Lord, we are fulfilling your will. This church, the expansion of our ministry, it's not our idea. You came up with this. Father, you called us. You appointed us. But we are going to be faithful. And we are going to do right with the gifts, the talents, the resources that we have today. We submit our lives to you. Lord, we humble our hearts before you. Have your way in us. May your will be accomplished. So lives will be changed and heaven will be populated with those for which whom Jesus died. Thank you for moving in our lives today. Thank you for directing our steps, each and every person. Lord, you order our paths aright and we end up in the right place at the right time. We don't have to miss a step. And I thank you that your provision lies in your plan. That when in your plan, we'll never lack. We'll never come up short. Thank you for abundance. Thank you for more than enough. In Jesus' name, amen.